I want to dedicate this episode to four people. Jason Dragon, Redcap Jack, Sal Roma, and Chris Excess. We'll talk more about why during the episode. Hi, and welcome to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. We have a bi-weekly show that's released every other Friday, and this is episode 77, and it is a very special At Your Mercy listener picks episode. On Horror Movie Podcast, you'll hear in-depth horror movie reviews, especially for new releases with ratings and recommendations to help you decide whether you should buy, rent, or avoid these movies. And I am your host, Jay of the Dead, podcasting from Salt Lake City. And my lone co-host tonight is... Wolfman Josh from St. Vincent and the Grenadines, Jay. I have no idea where that even is. (laughs) It's in the, the Caribbean. Wow. Okay. You know what I saw today? What was it? Someone handed me um, some dolphin bones and wow. dolphin teeth and uh, some whale, bo- like a whale spinal column and some whale teeth. <laughs> Weird. It's, it's like, it's like a, crazy. a SeaWorld hostel down there or something. Yeah. That's it's cr- weird. Like one moment you can think the most horrifying thing you can imagine is seeing a dolphin killed or someone eating a dolphin that just seems like the absolute worst thing on the planet and and within one hour of that you can find yourself with some dolphin teeth in your pocket (laughs) that's the kind of world we live in today jay (laughs) i was interviewing some guys down on the beach and this is one of the few places in the world where they're allowed to hunt certain whales which is awful it's awful, but I've been, you know, I've been to a few places in the world where that's the case in Alaska and, and here, and that's their custom and they're allowed to do that. And they, they hunt pilot whales here. And then they also, which they call blackfish incidentally. Hmm. And then they sometimes pull in a dolphin or two accidentally. And it's, it's the way that they survive. So I, it's hard <laughs> to judge them. They live in abject poverty. And although it's not what we do and, in our town, um, it's a way of life for these guys. So, well, hell, if it's their custom, <laughs> they gotta live. They gotta live. That's that's right. All right. Well, uh, we're glad you're here. Um, thank you for making it. Because otherwise, this would be a solo cast this week because uh, Doctor Shock was unable to join us. He had to work extra shifts or longer shifts. This is a very busy time of year for him. And of course, Kyle Bishop is out of commission this time of year as well. So. Just the two of us, Josh. Yeah, I, f- I feel bad because it's the listener recommendation episode, and it would have been so great to have Kyle and Dave on this episode so we could talk about more of the listeners' recommendations. I know. Maybe we'll have to put in another At Your Mercy episode in January, since January is kind of a slower time of year anyway. That's a great idea. Okay. Well, let's get it started then, Josh. What do you want to tell us? Um, You want to kick it off for us? Yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to talk about some of the listener recommendations because we got some really awesome ones and I wanted to give people some shout outs and and apologize because I am traveling right now. I was only able to watch movies that were available online. So basically, if it wasn't on Netflix or Amazon or as a last resort YouTube, I had to move on to something else. So I just wanted to mention some of the great recommendations that we got. Uh, for instance, listener Joe recommended one I've been meaning to watch for a while, Jack Brooks' Monster Slayer, but I couldn't find it online. And Jonathan recommended Argento's Sleepless, which I was very interested in, uh, but I couldn't find it. I'm actually going to buy that one, though, on Jonathan's recommendation because it looks great. Mm. Um, 
Juan from Texas suggested Bedeviled, which I tried to get and couldn't find. Juan mentioned Session 9, which um, mm-hmm. I've seen and we are going to incorporate into a hopefully an upcoming themed episode when we've been discussing. And several of our listeners recommended Cemetery Man, and that's one that we're holding on to for a future zombie comedy episode when we can get Dr. Walking Dead on the line with us. He was excited about that one. Um, Dino from New York by way of Ohio had some good recommendations. Uh, one that we've already used since then in our found footage episode was the taking of Deborah Logan. Um, his dinner is in the oven also came in with that recommendation as well. Dino also recommended the Atticus Institute, which I think would be one for uh, a possible inclusion and like an institutionalized kind of themed episode would be fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, his dinner also mentioned vamp, which I thought I talked about in our house vampires episode, but I might've, I might've missed that one. Oh yeah. Grace but Jones. If, yeah. Yeah. If I did miss that one, I would totally uh, talk about that in an upcoming Frankensteinian episode. Cause I'd love to talk about vamp. <laughs> um, and his dinner also recommend life force, which we're actually going to be talking about on an upcoming episode of the sci-fi podcast. So people can check that out. Um, Dark Mark had some stellar recommendations, a few of which we've touched on very recently, actually. Um, but definitely some we could discuss more in depth. Levi suggested we check out the Bogans or the Boogans. Uh, that looks interesting for like a little monsters themed episode. We could talk about critters or some movies like that. <laughs> it might be fun. Yeah. And Rob from Belgium recommended Ghost Watch, which is one um, that's been recommended by four by a lot of our listeners. I think that's one that would be a lot of fun in a Ghost Hunters kind of episode, like Grave Encounters and some things like that. Josh, I'm sorry. Did you mention Dark Mark's picks? I was really curious about those. Oh, he had some great ones. I mean, you know, stuff that we talked about kind of recently, like we mentioned Tourist Trap and we mentioned The Frighteners, and there were several um, but that, yeah, those are just ones that we're going to have to come back around to. I got um, you. Okay. Unfortunately. Uh, Fritz had a good idea to do an anthology themed episode yes. and cover films like creep show or trick or treat. And I think we'd all be really excited about that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Tales from the dark side streaming on Netflix right now. Um, that could be fun. Fritz also wanted to hear an evil dead franchise review, which is probably one we should put on the list. Mm-hmm. I would think I agree. Yes. And um, anyway, yeah, just a ton of great recommendations. As you can hear, we just have a really awesome listenership. Too many to mention. So thank you all for that. We have the best listeners in the world. We love this community. And if you're not active on in the comment section at horrormoviepodcast.com, come get involved. It's a lot of fun. We have some really <laughs> smart, great people over there. Yeah. And, and speaking of that, just real quick, I mean, one of the reasons this is dedicated to Sal, for example, Sal Roma, is because... Um, He's kind of our eye in the sky, and uh, if you have been leaving comments and some of them have not been showing up on the site, we have not approved all of them yet. We are dealing with a certain issue right now, which which we're going to resolve within a couple of weeks, and then we'll tell you all about it when we get there, and we'll approve all those comments. So please don't think that you're leaving comments on the site in vain, because they will all be approved soon enough. And Sal, just for watching our backs and everything... Uh, that's one reason why this is dedicated in part to you, sir. Yeah, thanks so much, Sal. That was huge, huge. <laughs> and hopefully this will be an interesting story that uh, we can unravel for everyone. Oh, yeah. And we're even going to do a themed episode around it, huh, Josh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Which is hilarious. Um, and and while, while we're doing shout outs here, I just want to tell the other reasons here. 
wanted to give a shout out to uh, Jason Dragon. He made my whole month because he went to the Days of the Dead in Chicago and he wore a horror movie podcast t-shirt and nice. it was super awesome. And I, I'm still asking his permission if we can post it in the show notes. So once I hear back from him, maybe it'll be in a future episode. But I do want to put it up because he appears there um, next to David Naughton from An American Werewolf in London fame. So he's wearing the HMP shirt standing by David Naughton. And, awesome. And Jason was quick to mention that luckily it was not a full moon. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's seriously that... um. That made my my whole month, and I'm not even kidding about that. And uh, one other little shout out is Chris Access has put together, and I just want to tell people up front here that this is not suitable for work, but if you check it out, he's done this tribute to horror. It's called Horror Worlds. He's got a Twitter page surrounding it. So yeah, you can find it on Twitter at horror underscore worlds and Chris writes that we are dedicated to promote independent horror projects of all kinds. Share your creativity with us. So they've got a Twitter page and they've got tons of followers already and tons of tweets. And then they've also got a Tumblr page, a blog, and and that's the one um, that has some more explicit imagery on it. So if you're at work checking that out, just be aware of that. And if you scroll down, uh, he did quoted a write-up for horror movie podcast kind of told like the history of these shows he has like the weekly horror movie podcast and horror metropolis anyway means a lot to us i'll have these both linked the tumblr page as well as the twitter page linked in the show notes if you want to check out the good work that chris xs is doing there tony's father has been away a long time now he's coming home Extro has returned. Once a man, he is now something more than human. Indestructible, ever-changing, evil. His mission, to avenge, to possess, to destroy. Why did you come back? I came back for you. Extro. Some extraterrestrials aren't friendly. From New Line Cinema, rated R. Are we ready to get down to some action here with this, with this <laughs> at your mercy recommendations? Because I understand, you know, I'll let you say who recommended, but um, I, in fact, I'll just turn it over to you because I don't want to step on your toes or get in your way because maybe you have a special way to present this. Oh, no, I don't have anything special <laughs> to say about my recommendation, pick, which I, I feel really lousy about um, because... I love this listener. David from Scarborough was very kind to give, you know, a, a great recommendation from his childhood. Uh, this is a film called Extro from 1982. It's a British sci-fi horror film. And, you know, David warned me up front that it was kind of a schlocky film. And so I went into it knowing that. But it's hard to prepare yourself for certain things and some of those <laughs> things include um just little people in clown makeup with kind of disco ball lights and things like that <laughs> well look at the cover art on imdb and by the way that's spelled x-t-r-o right um yeah. the, i mean the the cover art right there is very intriguing to me 
Let me read you what David wrote about it in, in his <laughs> recommendation because he actually his review is better than anything I could say. Sadly, uh, David says a schlocky, low budget British B grade sci fi horror film. Extra turns out to be way more inventive and genuinely disturbing than it has any right to be. It definitely has a low budget feel, and as you might expect, some of the acting is a little subpar. But the wildly creative special effects, nightmarish atmosphere, and mind bendingly bizarre sequences more than make up for it. The quote-unquote birth scene is etched into my memory like a childhood trauma. In my opinion, this is a rare example of a sci-fi monster B-movie that succeeds in being genuinely effective as a horror film. So I thought that was, that was enough to pique my interest. Um, I'll tell you what, I did like a lot of the things he said about it. I, there were some really interesting special practical special effects um some that were done really well others not as much and it's hard because it's dealing with kind of the seeding of human beings and this is after alien so it's hard to compare to the face grabbers and the chest bursters and alien um when you see something that's very similar in terms of the way the monster works okay what's different about this film is what he talked about with the birth scene. And I, and it was hard for me to figure out what this movie was at first. I thought, Oh, okay. Is this kind of like an aliens ripoff or an alien ripoff? And then I thought, Oh, okay. Is this kind of a Terminator style film? Wow. And then I thought, Oh, okay. Is this a invasion of the body snatchers style film? (laughs) And, and I think the problem the movie has is it's not exactly sure what style film it is. Um, it's an alien abduction film uh, at its heart. That's kind of the MacGuffin of the whole story. But what happens is, is a father and son are playing at a cottage in, in the English countryside, and the father is caught up in a brilliant bright light and disappears. Hmm. And the son believes that he's still in contact with his father. He believes his father went to space or something in the bright light. And his mother believes that the father abandoned the family essentially. And it was interesting because I, when I saw this film, um, one of the films that kind of came to mind was Slither, uh, again, with this kind of like seeding, uh, in the human body, this body horror. Okay. But this backstory that I'm talking about with the father being in the stars and all that, it also kind of reminded me of Guardians of the Galaxy, the Peter Quill backstory from that film. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I wonder if James Gunn is a big fan of Extro. Being a trauma guy, I could totally see that this would be on his radar uh, because I can see little bits of, of Slither and little bits of Guardians of the Galaxy just in that Peter Quill backstory um, in this movie. And that is a, a bit of the Qu- Peter Quill backstory that is altered from the comic books. And so anyway, I thought that was interesting. But basically what you have is the father disappears and the kid is having these awful nightmares about his father and wakes up one night drenched in blood in his bed and he said, Daddy sent this to me. And it's very weird and disturbing. Um, And then suddenly you have kind of this Terminator moment or even like Night of the Creeps moment where this little weird alien comes from space Um. Kills someone, kills a man, <laughs> infects infects a woman and impregnates her um, through kind of a face grabber type of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but rather than bursting from the stomach, the woman becomes fully impregnated in a matter of minutes and gives natural childbirth to a full-sized adult male. Wow. Um, 
And then that male turns out to be the father um, of the little boy who disappeared three years earlier um, in the field. <laughs> and he, sho- he, he, he showers himself off and he goes back to the murdered man, takes off his clothes and puts them on. And this is what I'm thinking. Oh, this is like a Terminator thing. I was very confused. I thought there were two different guys at first, just based on the staging. And, and what's really difficult about this film, besides all of the really mental, what I would call trippy stuff, which I hate. I hate trippy. Um, there's a lot of trippy stuff in this movie. Um, it even goes a little David Lynch. Like it goes kind of Twin Peaks area in some of the stuff, which mm. I don't mind Twin Peaks as much. because. But I think David Lynch is an artist. And what I, what I think is missing here is a sense that the filmmakers have any idea what they're doing. Right. Um, where they're going with the stuff. And and especially with the body snatcher element, I think with a body snatcher film um, where you have this guy who's the father now returned to the family and, and you know, so we get more of these kind of um, seedings and other human beings. Uh, we get eggs being birthed for exactly what we're not sure. And that's the thing. It's very internally inconsistent with the world that it creates and there's no way to track really what's going on. And again, with what I was trying to get to was with the body snatcher world, the assumption is there's a larger mission because someone is going incognito and the, and the only mission I could understand from the film was brought up right at the beginning. He wants to take his son home with him back to the stars, but the road to get there is so convoluted and there are so many unnecessary deaths and mutations and impregnations and all these things. I just, and, and lots of just like a midget going, he, 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 at the camera and like <laughs> just stuff that's wow. really difficult to get into. It's schlocky. David warned me up front. It's totally schlocky. There are some rad special effects and there was a one that's not, especially well done, but it's kind of fun where uh, the son is able to bring, and again, I don't know why or how, but he's able to bring some of his toys to life and he brings this army figure to life. And, you know, this like G.I. Joe type of character, an army man. And this guy becomes a full size, like human size and goes around killing people with his bayonet. And it's done really well. And it seemed like, they got a guy like a break dancer inside there and it moves kind of like this robotic break dancing movements as it's like stabbing people to death with the bayonet. Um, and it looks kind of rubbery and not again, not very well done. Like you can tell it's a low budget, but surprisingly well done for what was obviously a small budget. Wow. And um, yeah, it was kind of, there's it's, it's off the wall, dude. It's so, off the wall. Yeah, it sounds really bizarre, and it actually sounds like one of those movies. If you're gonna have like a kind of a crazy party at your house and you need something wild, you know, this sounds like it might be something to put in, right? I think it's the type of movie you watch with people who like to laugh at movies, because again, looking at the poster, it looks like a beastly freak movie. Yeah, and it's really not that for most of the movie. There's like. A really some really bad beastly freak stuff at the beginning, <laughs> um, and 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 at first when you start it you think man these effects are terrible but they kind of progress as the film goes on they get a little bit better and better 
Um, and ultimately, they're pretty good. Yeah, I, I feel like I've done such a terrible job at describing <laughs> this film, but it's so convoluted. I feel like it, my review is kind of reflecting that, maybe. Well, yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's very broad. It sounds like it's kind of a kitchen sink type of horror movie. Which, by the way, what happened to that 2015 kitchen sink movie? Anyway, <laughs> but anyway, it sounds like it's got a little bit of everything. And on the cover, that thing kind of looks like a piranha a little bit of some sort. Hmm. But Well, to me, he looks like he's a lot bigger than the kid. And in the movie, he looks kind of like an inverted uh, dog or cat. It's, it's, like, it's like knee high uh, yeah. to a human and okay. really not that scary. But there are some there are some great there's some great body horror, some great creature effects. It is fun and schlocky. Fun is a difficult word actually. I was kind of miserable most of the time I was watching the movie to be honest. Um and and that's not the film's fault. I was just I was not in the mood <laughs> for this type of movie. Yeah, it's David's uh, fault. No, I'm just kidding David. <laughs> But I will say, even despite me really not being in the mood for this, it totally won me over by the end uh, to think, wow, that was totally unique. Again, my biggest problem just being it really felt inconsistent in its own universe. It didn't seem to know what it was saying. And um, and it, the motivation of the monster was not... If it was clear, it wasn't compelling, let me put it that way. It may have been clear. It seemed unclear for most of the film. And then it just at the end, it seemed like, oh, well, it was just a lot simpler than I had anticipated. But it was not um, a thrilling conclusion by any means. It reminds me, you know, I think there is value to films that are completely unique, as you described it here. Because like uh, Werner Herzog once said, great documentary filmmaker, he once said that the our civilization is starving for great images. And, um, you know, it sounds like that even though these aren't always quality images, it's at least something new that you wouldn't see anywhere else, right? I think about half of it is. Half of it feels very derivative, and the other half feels wildly imaginative. And um, the wildly imaginative stuff I like more. But um, I could do without the circus clown stuff and I could do without the alien references because it's just not done as well as alien. And it's what, like four years later and it's just still not as good. And so I don't know. It's kind of frustrating in that way. So what what does extra mean? Like, what is that title about? Hmm. That's a good question. If it's said in the movie, I missed it. I have no idea what extra means. (laughs) Okay. If it if it said it in the movie, I didn't hear it. I mean, this is if I didn't state it clearly enough, which I'm sure I didn't. The movie is about a father disappearing, going to the stars, returning as essentially an alien, as a body snatched type person, and then kind of wreaking havoc on his wife, child, her new boyfriend, um, the French maid who her only duty other than taking the boy to school seems to be to have. Um, little flings in her in her room when everyone else is gone for the day, but as French maids do, right? Yeah, I mean, there <laughs> she is a French maid. That's um, and and I just didn't get the motivation. I didn't get what was supposed to have happened to the dad. I didn't get why the dad was back. I didn't get why he was doing what he was doing. Why all these people had to die 
seemingly needlessly. I didn't get the power that the alien had and how that was transferred and why some people were, um, you know, having chest bursting sequences. Other people were giving live birth to adult humans. Other people were, uh, you know, uh, giving birth to eggs. Other people were like in cocoons. And I, don't, I just, it didn't seem like it seemed like you say kitchen sink. It seemed very directionless to me, mm. but it's supposed to, I mean, again, it's, I think for people who enjoy this movie, I think it's supposed to be viewed in kind of that. So bad. It's good way. And there are some surprising elements that make it kind of fun. Okay. So, wow. I mean, it sounds like you have been kind of gentle on this movie a little bit because you're like about 50, 50 on it. Maybe. Yeah, well, if, if I've been gentle, it's because I have movies like this that I love from my childhood, <laughs> and I can understand how someone like David or maybe like James Gunn, I think, they could have a fondness for this, and it could inspire, uh, you know, great movies. I, I can see why this, you know, it's in 1982, so it's a very interesting time in horror. I can see this would be, even though not a great, be a seminal piece in terms of British sci-fi horror. And so I think it's, I don't want to trample all over that, you know, I don't, and I, and I, I am being upfront that I don't get it. Like it's not, you know, but there are movies that I like that are clearly poorly made. We've, we talk about a lot of those on the show. Um, if I'm being soft on it, it's just because, I I understand that you know there are films that are so bad they're good, and I have movies that I like that are like that. And I know that a film that you love as a horror film isn't maybe always the best quality in terms of cinema, and you can still enjoy it and appreciate certain things about it. And this came at a very seminal time for horror, and I can see that this might be an important uh, landmark in terms of British sci-fi horror. I don't know. This <laughs> could have influenced a lot of people. Like I think it may have influenced James Gunn. I like James Gunn, and so I like I like that a film like this exists. And clearly, this is a meaningful film for our listener David, who I like a great deal as well. So I don't want to trample all over somebody else's fun movie. There are lots of movies that I love that are terrible. I get that, and I don't want to be the guy who you know who is just doesn't get the joke. I get that it's so bad it's good. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Well, a couple of things that occur to me here as I'm looking over the IMDb, like number one, you know how on IMDb, they, they have that little section that says people who liked this also liked, and then it brings up the deadly spawn from 1983, which is, which is a great kind of, I guess that, that gives you kind of a hint about this. Uh, another yep. thing that's interesting to me is that this is like, um, this was a video nasty, right? It says among those. Oh, I did not. I did not see that in my research, but that's interesting. I, I believe it was. And then finally, on the cover art, and maybe this is just like you know the the DVD or VHS art from another country, but beneath the title it says like "Angriff der Körperfresser." <laughs> like, what? What is that? Because uh, isn't this a United Kingdom film? Didn't you say? US. Yes, that's right. Okay, so mm -hmm. I wonder what Angrief der Corporate Fresher means. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. Okay. But here's an interesting thing. It was apparently successful enough that it spawned three sequels. Um, there's Extra 2, The Second Encounter, Extra 3, Watch the Skies. 
neither of which apparently have anything to do with the original film in kind of troll two fashion. Yes. And, um, in 2011, the director told Fangoria that he was going to be making extra four, um, which apparently hasn't materialized, but that's, it's interesting that it's, there's an interest in this movie. It's funny. You get a thing and you start doing it and then you just keep doing it. (laughs) Kind of like, yeah. Horror Metropolis, horror movie podcast. <laughs> like, you just have different <laughs> incarnations of your thing that you do. And then, you know, you just go about your business. <laughs> like, that's hilarious. Yep. So, what do you rate Extra from 1982? Extra, I am going to give a 3.5 based mostly on the unique visuals that do occur in the film. Um, the birthing sequence, as David said, is something that could scar you for life. But it's super interesting, and I I had a promise of a much more interesting movie than ultimately materialized. Um, I also love the special effects in the last scene of the film. So, you know, it, it's unique in, in some ways. Um, so I'm going to give it a 3.5. I would say it's a very low-priority low rental, unless you're the type of person that likes schlock if you like to laugh at so bad they're good movies if you like trauma style things i think there's a chance you could get something out of extra i will say my viewing of it was mostly joyless um but again it's a lot a lot of that's on me i just was not in the mood for it when i watched it so okay all right josh says extra is a 3.5 out of 10 it's a low priority rental all right well thanks for reviewing that and just as a little segue here, not overly smooth, but uh, I wanted to mention something that you remember how I said Jason Dragon made my month. Another thing made my day today, Josh, that I wanted to share on the podcast here. Um, that I have this, and I don't know how you feel about this, Josh, but I have this thing where I feel like, and I've said it many times, so I'm sorry, this is getting to be ad nauseum at this point, but but when somebody introduces a movie to you, and you love it, and then you go share it with other people, do you feel like you should give credit to the people who do that? Because I I have that. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I do too. I mean, I think that's a big deal, and especially for me, it's a person who fancies myself as a film critic. It's really important to me, like, if I have a good recommendation that somebody else is like, oh, yeah, Jay of the Dead has steered me in that direction. And that's why I love these At Your Mercy episodes because we really get to highlight hey the listeners you know sent us this and they told us to check it out and so like that's why one of the reasons this episode is also dedicated to red cap jack because he gave me a great experience with the movie i'm about to review but really fast i want to give a shout out to our friend bill shetty over on horror on the go i was listening to his september 1st episode where he where he had lady phantom as a guest and she was one of the original Planet Macabre 5, and she was asking him just 10 different horror-related questions. He only had three minutes to answer. And in this question right here, she asks him, as you'll hear, about his uh, favorite foreign film. And this just made my whole entire day. Everybody, just check this out. I got to highlight it here. What's your favorite foreign horror film? That's going to have to be Inside. I'm pretty sure that's the highest on my top 25 list, which I am going to be coming out with fans on the website 
I think I got like 25 to 30 10 rated movies. I've been going through these the last year and making sure I haven't missed any. But I'm pretty sure my top is the French horror movie called Inside. Yes, okay. it's an outstanding horror movie. And I got to thank Jay of the Dead for that because that was one that he got me into. Because I'm not a big proponent of foreign horror. I haven't been. But there is a lot of good ones. There yeah. is really a lot of good foreign horror movies. So props right there in respect to Bill Shetty, the guy who has steered me to a million different horror movies that I loved. Um, like, you know, I, I just, I really respect that, Josh. I think that was amazing that he said that. And, um, it's very gentlemanly. It's a classy move. Yeah, it is classy. And I just wanted to say that. And uh, I'm gonna, I'm about to do the same thing here for Red Cap Jack and a few others who steered me to this next movie. But anyway, Bill Shetty is at HorrorOnTheGo.com. Um, I hope you'll check out his show, and I can't wait for that top 25 horror of all time list that he's coming out with. But anyways, our friend Red Cap Jack recommended a film from 2010 called The Shrine. Young man goes backpacking across Europe, goes missing. Happens all the time. It's a dead case. We're looking for a young man. Have you seen him? Yeah. Get your hands off! Hey! Go! They're hiding something up there in that forest. And I want to find out what it is. I have seen this thing so many places. I mean, it seems like the cover art... There are actually two different covers, Josh, and I'm not sure which one we'll use in the artwork, but, like, one cover is, like, this person, this being in a nightgown, and it appears to be bloody, and then there's, like, a mask on the face, right? And, and that's what comes up on IMDb. But I, I've seen yeah. this thing lots of places. It was called The Shrine, and I had like zero, zero interest in this along the way. But uh, let me just say, um, <laughs> I am so glad that I went with Red Cap Jack's recommendation because I actually love this movie quite a bit. Now, um, let me just say, so that was in episode 60, Josh, when you did your State of the Werewolf episode. Um, in the comments, you know, we asked for people to give their recommendations. That's one of the places they gave them. And Red Cap Jack wrote, you know, I never really added my At Your Mercy suggestion, so I'm going to offer just two, The Shrine from 2010 and John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness from 1987. And he continues, Jack Brooks' Monster Slayer is excellent, but the filmmakers for that movie followed it up with one... It's something called The Shrine, and it absolutely knocked me on my rear. Harrowing experience, right? And that's the kind of thing, Josh, when I read that, I'm like, okay, that's the movie I'm picking. Be <laughs> because I just, I love disturbing. I love things that really, you know, spin me around, so to speak. The harrowing. Um, partial credit there to Joe McGregor for recommending Jack Brooks' Monster Slayer, because I think that got Red Cap Jack's wheels a turn in there. Right. Well done. Well done there. I like that. Yes. True enough. And then uh, Red Cap Jack continued later in these same exchanges. He said, I think the thing that got me about this movie is that they didn't subtitle the non-English parts. Now, this film is in English, just so everybody knows, because I know some people run from subtitles. But there are some foreign characters who speak another language, and they do not subtitle it. And I love what Red Cap Jack says here, because he's exactly on the money. He says, it added an 
it, it gave an added feeling of isolation for me. I'm also a fan of Lovecraft-style horror, and there's definitely a sense of that influence in the film. And um, so I, I, I think that is a great point. And in Dino, shout out to Dino, who pointed out, incidentally, the shrine is currently streaming on Netflix Watch Instantly in the U.S., and it still is as we record this episode. So there is no excuse for people out there in the U.S. who have Netflix. You can stream this puppy right now. Now, um, I will say, Josh, right up front, I am Mr. Anti-Spoilers guy, so I will not spoil anything. I will not ruin this treasure of a movie for anybody. I, I care all day today. I thought about how can I review this film and try to sell it to people enough that they'll watch it, but without giving away anything that's like important, anything of the surprises. So I, I hope everybody will trust me. And if you do go online to do some research, there's not a ton written about this movie. But if you do, just be very careful because it's one of those movies that some idiot could spoil for you. So just be careful about that. Now, there are, there are some more listener comments, which I'll get to those um, later on. But first of all, what I want to say, I want to talk about something that Netflix does, Josh, which I think is problematic. Have you noticed that um, when you go to push play on a movie, they'll like show you a still shot image from a part of the movie? Have you seen? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, when I first saw that, I'm like, okay, well, you know, it was kind of cool or whatever, but I think it's a real problem in a movie like The Shrine, for example, where it, it it shows a still shot image of this thing that appears to be, um, I mean, it's monstrous looking. It's an image from the film, but it's completely shown to us out of context, okay? And, and that bugs me quite a bit because, number one, there's no context leading up to why this image is scary or disturbing or why it could potentially be so. Um, there's no music behind it, which horror films depend a lot upon their sound and their music, and there's no suspense or anything like that. So it kind of neuters the image. So I just want to tell people that image there, because when you look at it, because I was almost like, when I saw that, it's not that it's bad, Josh, but I just want to just point this out and kind of slap Netflix verbally here on the podcast <laughs> by saying, I almost turned this movie off because I was almost like, yeah, sorry, Red Cap Jack. If that's if that's the monster, quote unquote, <laughs> then I'm not doing. You know, I don't think I'm going to do this. But actually, that image is just a statue. Okay, so it's not the monster because I'm like, okay, that doesn't look very lifelike. Well, it wouldn't because it's a statue. But you don't have any freaking context because Netflix shows you this image from the middle of the film. So that kind of bugs me. I just wanted to rant about that for a minute. Okay, Was Joe. It a statue as part of a shrine to something? <laughs> More or less, yes. Now, okay. The Shrine is one of those movies, one of those horror movies with an attention-getting curtain raiser. But, you know, for a horror movie, it's still pretty standard. It's not out of the ordinary. You got a guy who who gets strapped down and uh, he's sacrificed by this group of people, right? This like this cult, you know, and um and it looks like they do like a, a sledgehammer to the face. That's the opening scene. So I just want to give people right up front, you know from this film, you're like, okay, this film's going to be pretty straightforward, pretty hardcore. I mean, they don't really show it much, but you're like, sledgehammer to the face, this is a serious horror movie. 
But another phenomenon that's happening, Josh, I wanted to talk to you about. In our day and age, we do this thing on Netflix that I would like to call test watching, you know, where you kind of stick your toe in the water, see if you're going to go for it. Because like there are so many films streaming on Netflix now that you can go in the horror section, you can start watching like the first 10 minutes. And if it sucks, you can stop watching it. Now, do you do that, Josh? Um, I try not to. I have done it occasionally just because I think, oh, there's no way I can get into this. But um, I'm pretty choosy about I don't I don't I'm not as willy nilly like you're a very brave Netflix viewer. I watch movies that I kind of already know are going to be good for the most part. Oh, OK. <laughs> you know, I don't just watch whatever I don't I'm not like a Russian roulette horror watcher on Netflix. I, I got gotcha. I don't just. Pick, I don't judge book by their books by their cover very often. Well, you you know this this movie has kind of um, and maybe I'll talk about this later. This movie has kind of changed me on that. Where in 2016 going forward, I mean, because I'll just be honest, little confession, little heart to heart time here with the horror fans. I I've been a little bit um, I guess disappointed with horror lately, and and it's not that there haven't been any good movies, but this year has has been kind of crazy for me and with and I'm not blaming it on just all the ISIS stuff and the attacks on Paris and stuff but there's been so much like ugliness and awfulness in the world and like even today as we record this there's like that mass shooting going on in um San Bernardino California so there's so much real life horror in your face and on the news that's happening that I've almost been like a little bit like sick to my stomach with it. So I haven't had the stomach lately to watch a lot of horror. And it's not, it's not anything against the genre either. It's, I didn't have the stomach to watch exploitative or awfulness depicted in a movie that sucks and it's not entertaining. Like, which, yeah. which there are so many, you know, crappy horror films out there that you can basically go for a long streak of watching crappy horror movies where you're seeing this awful imagery and and terrible things happening to people and you don't get the payoff of the positive aspects of the horror movie now yeah nothing is being done or you're not entertained or whatever whatever the case may be um dude you can a horror fan can really make themselves miserable by by living in existence like that. Like I'm here to say, watch good movies, guys. They don't all have to be horror. I know there are people like Bill Shetty out there who they only watch horror movies. Um, that can make you down in the dump sometimes. And part of that though is watching bad movies too often. Like you're saying, Jay, um, if you have to sit through all of the misery and you're getting anything out of it on the other end. Yeah, of course, that's going to be too big a weight to handle. Life is so short and to spend it looking at or thinking about death all the time and not getting anything positive out of that can be kind of a burden, you know? Yeah. And if, if it's not entertaining you, if it's not challenging you as art, if it's not, um, if you're not getting anything extra out of it, if if you're literally just looking at images of death, it, it can drag you down. I, I totally agree. And that's why one reason, you know, for all this ranting that I'm doing right now is just because I want to thank the listeners again for participating in these um, 
at, at your mercy type of episodes where where they are recommending great horror films to us. Yeah, except and, for David. And Extro, yeah. <laughs> Screw you, David. <laughs> poor poor David. <laughs> That's a shame. <laughs> no, but, um, but but so I'm like so grateful to like people like Red Cap Jack and and David even you know for for giving us like some stuff to watch and I Absolutely. appreciate that. But I do I, I'm I'm kind of a and this probably isn't typical for horror fans, but I just I want to confess it right up front. This is Jay of the Dead talking. If you you know I go through these kind of ups and down phases where like I'll watch a lot of it and then I'll kind of back off and I'll watch like you know, other genres quite a bit, you know, because I love crime films, but then I'll dip back into horror and I kind of like weave in and out of it. And um, maybe all this is just kind of a preparation for our end of the year show about how much I've sucked this year. But, you know, we've done a lot of coverage of franchises, blah, blah, blah. Back to the shrine. The reason that this is so exciting is it's kind of renewed and reinvigorated my faith in horror films. And even with all the sadness in the world, watching this thing, which is built really well, it's an amazing story as well. I just got me so excited again. It's like, yes, this is why I love horror films. And, and I felt even though it's, um, as Red Cap Jack said, I mean, it, it is a, a devastating type of film. I felt really invigorated and renewed when it was over. Awesome. That's so awesome. Yeah. So, so I'm so glad. So I thought all day, Josh, okay, what's the best way to describe this movie to people? Um, you know, totally spoiler free. And here it is. This movie slowly gives you these odd little puzzle pieces. Okay. Creepy ones. You're in, you hold it in your hand and you're like, Oh, that's a weird. Okay. That's, kind of unsettling and that's a little bit disturbing and you look at them as they come and you're slowly piecing it together and then by the time you get to the last few components of the puzzle and it's all snapping into place and then you see what this picture has become like what you're looking at as the puzzle at large it's truly horrifying and um, I absolutely just loved I love where this goes and what it does. And so you begin this movie as one person and you finish it kind of as a different person. And that's really the best way I can describe it vaguely like this. So if I were to classify this by subgenres, I'd call The Shrine from 2010. It's definitely a horror film. Clearly, there's no doubt about it. But it, but Josh, it's like a crime slash mystery. I'd say mystery first slash crime and it what? does, yeah, yeah, it does have a little bit of that. Like, it's not police procedural because we're not talking about police people investigating, but we're talking about a journalist doing some investigating. Are you kidding me? This sounds like my favorite movie ever, brother. You're gonna love this. I know it. I know you're gonna it love looks this. It's like a cult torture film to me. No, I know, I know. And and please trust me when I say, don't do a whole lot of research on it. Just watch it. You're gonna love it. Um. I mean, but, I unfortunately already Googled um, to see the poster, and I think it gave away a key image of the film, but... Um, well, that's okay. I, I'm interested. I'm interested. E- either poster, which, which you know, I'll let you... You can choose whatever one you think is um, better for someone who hasn't seen the film. You can choose whichever image you think will get people to watch it more, Josh. I'm going to send you two of them, but both of those images are fine to put in there because they're not... You know, they're not spoiler ridden. They're they're significant, but out of context, you know, you have 
no idea what it's about. So the other thing, the other aspect is the subgenre of horror that this would be classified in, which I will not reveal here. And here's why. It is a popular subgenre of horror, but there are tons and tons of mediocre entries and only a tr- only a few really effective ones. Now, I know you're probably racing in your mind. You're like, okay, what kind of movie is this? Don't worry, you won't guess. Uh, but to me, this is in this particular subgenre, and I'm sorry this is vague, this is in the like top five of all time of that particular subgenre, uh, for me at least. So I can't reveal what we're dealing with otherwise. But anyway, The, the Shrine, it's a Canadian film. It was directed by a Canadian-American named John Knotts, and I, that's how IMDb trivia says his name is pronounced, Knotts. And um, uh, by the way, incidentally, I noticed that John Knotts, his birthday is on December 25th, Christmas Day. So happy birthday, John, later this month. And I hope people will keep an eye on this guy because as our astute listeners have mentioned in the comments, he is the director of uh, Jack Brooks' Monster Slayer, which I have not seen, but I've heard is, is really respectable. And then a new film that looks very interesting called Goddess of Love. So I'm excited about that too. And uh, I'm intrigued by this guy. So he he directed this film, Josh, and he also co he wrote the story itself and he co-wrote the screenplay along with Brendan Moore and Trevor Matthews. And Trevor actually plays a role in this film. I'm impressed with him as well. Anyway, I'm, tr- I'm trying not to bore you guys, but I want to give you this information because I, I, I really believe that this John, John Knotts guy, I think he's someone to watch in horror. And the listeners have also said that on the message boards as well. And I totally agree. So anyways, the, the premise, and I'm just going to be very basic and no spoilers whatsoever. Um, there are these... There's this girl. She is a journalist at a magazine or a publication called Decipher. <laughs> and she's a struggling journalist and she really wants to kind of like get her, sink her teeth into a great story. And um, there are a bunch of like traveling, you know, youth or young people who end up missing um, in like all over Europe, but especially in, in Poland in particular. And so she wants to investigate this story. So she, uh, you know, gets her little assistant and uh, her boyfriend, who is played by Aaron Ashmore. Now, for those who don't know, if you're a fan of like the X-Men movies, Sean Ashmore plays Iceman in those. And this this guy is his twin brother. So it looks exactly like the guy who plays Iceman, <laughs> but it's his brother. Um, and, and I love his character because he's like, he's the guy, the character in the film. So that we would relate to. Okay. He's the guy you identify with because he has all the smart, normal reactions and the whole movie. You're like, listen to this guy, listen to this guy. Right. So you dig him, you know? So anyway, she, and she's this intrepid journalist. She's played by Cindy Sampson and she, you know, she goes over and persuades her assistant and her boyfriend to go to, um, Poland and so they go to Poland to investigate a particular missing person. And of course, it's the guy from the opening of the film. And that's all I can say about this. That's all I will say. And I know that sounds standard, but I'm telling you, 
Where this thing goes is a tremendous ride. It's a great mystery. Now, Josh, are you in so far or not? I mean, I gotta say, based on what you said and the IMDb description, it sounds a lot like The Wicker Man, <laughs> which I love. I know some people won't love that, but mm-hmm. that sounds great to me. Yeah, I, I I love the. I actually like The Wicker Man too. But yeah, it's a, it's not quite that. It's not quite that. But anyway, I can't say a whole lot. But I wanted to make sure that I, I I sold this film. So we as the viewers, what's really great about this, and and Red Cap Jack pointed this out too. The, these people are totally lost and, and, and like oblivious to what's going on. They have no idea what's happening. It's weird. They're investigating this mystery, this missing person's thing. And, and we, as the viewers, are just as weirded out as they are. And it ramps up, you know, just like for them. And, and I think that's really cool. So, I mean, that that's valuable about this film. I, I will say that this has um, some pretty good gore scenes. It gets pretty hardcore. And it does some bold things for a horror film. I mean, this is not, um, you know, this isn't something that I would just recommend to a casual horror fan. So, if you, if you want something that's, you know, on the strong side, I mean, this is for you. Now, let me read a couple other comments from the other listeners who weighed in on this, and then I'll give you my rating. And hopefully you can turn off this damn podcast and go watch it right now. So so Juan, in response to Red Cap Jack, Juan said, and Juan and I have been at odds of late, so I'm sorry, Juan. He said, I remember watching The Shrine and thinking it was just okay. I might have to revisit it. So interesting you say that, Juan, because immediately when this was over, I wanted to rewatch it again like back to back and how often do you feel that way about a horror film no kidding if it if it weren't 1 a.m in the morning when I finished that and I had to get up at like five <laughs> I would have watched it again I really would have and then Sal Roma writes um, in the comments for episode 64 he said I just finished watching the shrine and the first ter- two-thirds of the movie is just okay but it reeks of direct-to-video staleness. Now, I know what he's talking about because this is, if you were doing that Netflix testing, watching kind of thing, it starts out very standard, Josh, and it's kind of slow, to be honest. I mean, it, but this thing ramps up and it really gets momentum going. I mean, it's not like slow burn until the end. I mean, it picks up momentum like as it goes. And yeah, in the beginning, there's like, um, there's an exchange, like this couple's having a fight and the performances aren't good, and you're like, ah, oh, I don't know about this red cap jack. You know, maybe I should turn this off, right? Like, but people hang in there, okay? So, um, and just to finish what Sal Roma said, he said there are some legit creepy moments. I agree with that. The thing I appreciated most is that they let the action do the talking rather than add some unnecessary dialogue for exposition. That's so true, Sal. I love that. And um, for most of the movie, you're not entirely sure what's going on. And that's awesome. And he says in the in the final act, it all becomes clear. And, and that's so true. So I love this. Sal gave it a 7 out of 10, called it a solid rental. But I'm telling you guys right now, The Shrine is a 9 out of 10. I love this movie. Um, this is a must-see. And this is a buy it. And, and it's streaming on Netflix, so you have no excuse and I really ho- I'm going to be personally offended, and Red Cap Jack will be too, if people don't go watch this next. Like, like if this isn't your next horror film, 
And I don't want to build it up too much, which I'm sure I already have, but I truly loved it. That's the shrine. That's interesting because I, you know, you talk about the test watching. I did watch actually the beginning of Jack Brooks Monster Slayer. I could only find it on YouTube and it seemed to be a really bad um, like copy, like the audio wasn't synced. And so I thought to myself, well, I'm not going to watch this. I'll just choose something else. Um, but it was really bad acting and boring when I was watching that too. So I can understand maybe, and, and I know people love that movie as well. So maybe that's just a problem that this director has at the beginning. He doesn't know how to start his movies, <laughs> but apparently maybe. he knows how to end them. Yeah, he knows how to end them and he knows how to uh, build a story. I mean, I really feel like the way this thing is built, because I honestly, I thought about it when I went to bed, not just because I was creeped out, but also because I was just like putting it all together and just reflecting on it and kind of just like dazzled by it. And then all day at work today, I thought about it and and thought, man, that is a really cool story. I can't wait to watch that movie again. I am going to rewatch it. So... Yeah, please watch The Shrine and let us know um, in the comments what you thought of it. And please be careful of spoilers when you do that. That would be great. Um, and thank you guys for your for your recommendations. And Red Cap Jack, props to you, brother. I owe you one. That is good stuff. So anyway, there you have it, Josh. That's our two, uh, two reviews for the night. But this probably seems like a really thin episode, doesn't it? I feel bad, yeah, because it would have been nice if the schedule had worked out and Dave and Kyle could have been here, but um, just for the record, Dave was going to review The Signal, so maybe he can talk about that on the next Frankensteinian episode. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, we, we did our best. I, I wish I'd had more to say about Extra, but um, I'm, I'm sorry. I, that's all I could muster. <laughs> it's all right. Well, in two weeks, so... You know, we're talking, what is that? Friday, December 18th, we're going to come out with our Christmas horror episode. And we're definitely going to be reviewing uh, Krampus, which is coming out um, here just, you know, in a couple days as we record this. So we'll have a review for you of that. And the other one, Josh, that we agreed on that we were going to review as a panel of hosts. What is that one? Uh, Christmas Horror Story? Is Christmas Horror thinking? Story, that's it. Yep, that's exactly it. So we'll at least have those and um, maybe some others. And then the week after oh, that, yeah. the week after that, we're going to bring you our, um, you know, end of the year wrap up, you know, our best movies of 2015. It'll probably be a bumpy ride. So I'll tell you what you could do to help us out, listeners. And I'm being serious about this. We could really use your help contributing on that show because uh had grand plans all year you can ask josh (laughs) like i sent out an email in march planning for that and a lot of things fell through for me this year um in particular and so i don't want it to suck which i don't think it will but i'm just saying i want you guys if you would send in your top 10 horror or top five whatever you got for the year because I'd like to involve the listeners a lot in that episode and get your feedback and if you could email it at to horrormoviepodcast at gmail.com and put in the subject line top 10 or best horror of 2015 something that will really alert me that that's what you're doing how's that sound Josh sounds great 
Okay, buddy. Well, I, I'm very impressed that you joined us. I mean, you're you're in the time zone that's like even it's one east of like Eastern time, so it's even later than usual for Doctor. I'm, I'm Atlantic time. Atlantic time. I've never even heard of that time. <laughs> like, I mean, me neither. Well, I want to thank everybody for joining us on episode 77. I think that's it. And uh, Josh, what kind of plugs do you have for the listeners out there? Um, I have been really bad at getting movie streamcast posted since I've been here because it's just hard <laughs> being here and getting it done. So I apologize. I haven't had a new episode in a little while. I did get uh, the latest episode of the sci-fi podcast posted on time which was crazy we did a science of star wars episode where we had our physicist friend brain on to talk about all of the science behind hyperdrives and lightsabers and blasters and the death star and uh, tractor beams and uh, what were deflector shields and we just asked him a bunch of questions about how all that stuff would work if there was real science behind it. And he gave a lot of really brainy answers that are difficult to follow, but it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. And, um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. And then, yeah, I, I am posting a movie stream cam of another. Actually, it's a, a little bit horror. It's in the thriller horror genre to some degree, but it's a, it's mainly a sci-fi film. We reviewed um, Coherence with that same physicist friend brain uh, from the sci-fi podcast and Cody Clark. And that's a really fun movie. That's a stream. If you have uh, Amazon prime, I'd recommend checking that out. It's a fun little thriller, pot boiler, um, sci-fi film. That's kind of a mind bender and it's a lot of fun for a low budget indie sci-fi film. Um, and that's about it. Just uh, hoping to make it home soon so that I can get back on my regular schedule and hoping to find some time to get, <laughs> those episodes posted and back on your regular internet connection we apologize for the rough connection but um this internet is like spanning the sea right josh oh big time we thank the listeners for bearing with us on that and it's worth it to have josh around josh i just want to tell people to check out movie podcast weekly because it has been fireworks over there our special guest and expert (laughs) star wars fan steve hernandez dropped a bomb on us in this week's episode when we reviewed episode four a new hope each week we have been reviewing one star wars film a week to lead up to the release of the force awakens episode seven so if you're a big star wars nerd check us out on movie podcast weekly because we basically fight about that every week okay josh anything else just uh look forward to talking about krampus I'm going to also talk about Rare Exports because that's in the Krampus world as well. So yes. we can have some fun Krampus discussion. That sounds good. Okay, buddy. And as always, we love your comments. So make sure you get involved in the horror movie podcast community, the best community in the world. And keep your comments coming. You can leave your comments in the show notes for this episode or any episode for that matter. Or you can email us at horrormoviepodcast at gmail.com, which is where I hope you'll send your best horror of 2015 list and yes we've been getting your recommendations and i'm trying to get to those by the way before the end of the year because you know i need all the help i can get <laughs> so anyway make sure you leave us a voicemail if you have uh, any comments or questions or whatever that's 801-382-8789 and you can find all of our episodes including the weekly horror movie podcast and horror metropolis at our site horrormoviepodcast.com 
You can subscribe free in iTunes, and you can follow us on Twitter at HorrorMovieCast. I want to thank Fred Ingram for the use of his music for the Horror Movie Podcast theme song, and you can find more of Fred's music at frederickingram.com. I'll have it linked in the show notes for this episode. And I think that's it. So on behalf of Wolfman Josh, we thank you for listening and join us again Friday after next, December 18th for Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies.